the Fiber Hooligan. For the next hour or so, I'd like to invite you to grab your cup, your cup of coffee, tea, or caffeine-free A&W Diet Root Beer, if that's your beverage of choice, and settle in for the second episode of The Return of Fiber Hooligan. For those of you who are wondering who the heck I am, I am your host, Benjamin Levisay. I am also the CEO of XRX Inc., home of XRX Books and Stitches Expos. My pronouns are he and him, and I am broadcasting live from my, ho- from my home in Harrisburg, South Dakota. If you are tuning in for the first time, Fiber Hooligan is a podcast dedicated to bring you interviews with the best of the fiber arts and makers world, including experts, business people, designers in the craft of knitting, crochet, spinning, dyeing, weaving, sewing, quilting, embroidery, as well as anything else I think is interesting. I want to welcome new listeners today. Thank you for tuning in and trying out the show. I hope you enjoy it. I can't wait for us to get to know each other better. And, of course, I'd like to welcome back our Fiber Hooligan listeners who used to tune into the original show many years ago. Your ongoing support means so very much to me. Okay, my guest today is Louis Boria, a.k.a. Brooklyn Aboy Knits. Louis's pronouns are he and him. Louis is a self-taught fiber artist who has been in the industry for 12 years. In 2017, Louis went viral after being photographed on a New York City subway by actress-singer French Davis. With his newfound fame, Lewis decided to use his social media platform to do something positive, so began working with the New York public schools, teaching children to knit. He has worked closely with campaigns such as Hat Not Hate, cancer awareness programs at New York Mount Sinai Hospital, and with the LGBTQIA young adults by promoting knitting as a therapeutic outlet. As well as working in the community, Lewis is a knitwear designer of both custom pieces and knitting patterns that range in style from streetwear design to runway couture. In April of 2019, Lewis did his first TEDx talk, Making the Most of Your Moment. Later that year, he became one of the founding members of the Soho Publishing Diversity Advisory Council, which was set up to address the lack of diversity and inclusion in the fiber arts industry. He has also taught at Stitches events and spoken as part of a diversity panel at Stitches Midwest in 2019. Lewis believes in building up our community one stitch at a time. Lewis is currently recovering from the coronavirus and joins us from his home in Bensonhurst, Brooklyn. I'm so pleased to have him on the show. Good morning, Lewis, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Benjamin. How are you? I am very well, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm definitely feeling great these days. Um, it's been a week uh, where I'm back to my old self again, back on my feet, so I'm feeling really, really good, and I'm, I'm super excited uh, to be joining Father Hooligan. Well, once you're on, you're, you're then an honorary hooligan, right? You know that, right? <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, I, bring it on. I love it. I love being a, a fiber hooligan. So this is, it's the first time I've heard the term. And I, when I first, when you first uh, mentioned it to me, I was like, oh, this is cool. I like this. There's a story to it. And maybe someday I'll tell you the story, but it, it's actually a pretty good story. Um, um, but not, I'd not today. I'd love to hear you. you you have you have some awesome stories, by the way. So yeah, I would love to. Well, hear this one this one involved me almost getting arrested at a stitches event. So we'll oh. we'll we'll see story for another Whoa. time. Yeah, yeah, but but again, let's 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 not poke around in my closet. You know, that's that's not a good idea. So it's so great to to see you here. You and I don't get to talk nearly enough, and every single time I do talk to you, you are so gracious with your time and so encouraging. And I just want to personally thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that, Benjamin. 
Thank you. So, you know, you've uh, you've uh, talked with us a few times and, uh, you know, ha- had some fun uh, at the shows. I and mean, we're going to have you back at the shows eventually. I know that. But, you know, before we talk about what you're doing now and what you've recently done, can we hear your story? You know, can you tell us, you know, who are you? Where did you come from? How did you get to be you? Yeah, thank you for asking that question. Um, uh, so I've been involved with uh, the fiber arts now for a little over 12 years. Um, my grandmother was an avid uh, crochet artist, and um, I remember being a kid and growing up in, in Brooklyn and, and watching her just, you know, craft, and, and it always sparked my curiosity, but, you know, at an early age, it's all I wanted to do was just be with my friends and hang outside and, and just be me, right, and be a kid. So crafting wasn't really that big of a deal for me. When I was when I was growing up, um, that didn't come till later on. But um, I, for the most part, I, I grew. I was born and raised in Brooklyn. Um, I moved actually to Pennsylvania for for, for a couple of years uh, when I was in high school, and I graduated high school out there in Pennsylvania. Um, and later on, went to uh, college for a few years in uh, at Bloomsburg University in Pennsylvania, and then came back to New York. Um, and it was I would say. Back in 2000, no, sorry, forgive me, 1997 was, was when I came back to New York um, after I had went away for college, and um, I lived back with my grandmother. And um, I told the story of how uh, when I was 14 years old, um, I remember spending a summer with my grandmother, who was a crochet artist, and one day she just wanted to teach me how to crochet. And this was my introduction to the fiber arts, and I love telling the story because I really didn't want, want to get involved. I didn't want to. I didn't want to do this, but I said, you know what? To to please her, to entertain my grandmother. But you know what? It won't kill me an hour, so to just spend some time with grandma and just have her sit there with me and crochet, um, teach me how to crochet, and she did. And I actually enjoyed it, to be honest with you, Benjamin. But at 14 years old, um, I, as quickly as I I picked up those needles, I'm sorry, as quickly as I picked up that hook was as quick as I, I put it right back down after that after that session. But um she planted that seed in me that day and I and I love I love saying that because um it wasn't until um years later, um twelve years ago to be exact, it was uh when I had that dream that I talk about uh, of knitting and never once picked up the knitting needles, never had a desire. Um I just had this one crazy dream, and it was from that dream that sparked my curiosity and took me down that knitting rabbit hole, as I say, uh, and jumped on YouTube that very same day, and, and that's where, where it all started. I never put down the needles ever since. Um, I am uh, I live alone in Brooklyn, um, here with my dog. <laughs> uh, a lot of people ask me, like, well, do you have roommates, Louis? Do you live with a family? And I'm like, nope, just me and my dog, Maya. And um, I love it. I love I love living in Brooklyn. Um, I tell people there's a soul here in Brooklyn that doesn't exist anywhere outside of Brooklyn. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a unique place. It's a unique city. Um, and, and I love it. I love it. You know, I get a lot of my inspiration here in New York. You know, when people ask me, like, oh, what sparks your curiosity? And it's the people. It's the people. It's always been the people. Um, everything down from, you know, what I designed, who I designed for, um, I base that here from the people of New York. Um, but I love it. I love everything about my city. Um, 
my city represents who I am. Um, you know, growing up in a Latino culture, it was always, uh, you know, you know, a, a thing where, you know, in Latino culture, it's hard to express yourself the way you want to express yourself. So for many years, I had to suppress that, um, you know, culturally, because uh, it wasn't as accepted. You, know, you don't see guys uh, joining the arts, you know. Uh, I did a little bit of acting growing up, um, and it was kind of was something kind of like I had to hide because you should be playing basketball, you should be playing baseball, you know, that's the thing, right? So um, a lot of that I had to suppress. And, um, and it wasn't until I got older that I realized that um, I needed to be me. You know, and and, and slowly but surely, the, the real me came out, and um, on so many different levels. But um, it made me who I am today, believe it or not. All the, all those experiences growing up here in New York uh, helped shape who I am today. You and I have talked about that in, in the past. We we had a good fortune of sitting down and and uh, and having sharing a meal. Um, last summer and, and you, and you talked about growing up and having it be hard for you. Um, and I don't want to push that around too much, but you know, it, it, has it gotten better with, you know, your relationships with the various people in your earlier life as you've gotten older? Absolutely. Um, it's about educating and I think, you know, are, are changing nowadays. <clears throat> um, it's, it's, it's gotten so much better. Um, you know, it's about it's, it's, there's a reawakening happening um, where people that have that think as I like to say old school right um, where you know they they grew up with certain um, with strict values and 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 customs and things like that um, it was about me having to to kind of teach these older folks and let it be my family let it be friends whoever um, that. You know things are different, you know, and we're in a time of uh, where creativity is blossoming, where people are blossoming, where people are truly coming out of their shells um, and embracing that. And and you know, especially for like my family, um, the majority of my family are tend to be, like I said, old school in that sense, where you know, no boys do this, girls do that, and you know, and it was about trying to reshape their thoughts and, and their minds. So um, I'm happy to say that, you know, now um, with everything that's happening uh, in my life, I was able to, to sh- help shape their minds and, and to help them think differently uh, based on um, with what's going on with me personally and who I'm working with and who I'm helping and how I reach out to my community and how my community embraces me um, for the things that I'm doing. And they see that. So, you know, it's about setting, you know, setting that example and showing them, look, you know, through this, through knitting, I'm able to accomplish so many different things. It's not just me making a hat or a scarf and saying, oh, look what I made. No, it's so much more than that. You know, and I was able to take my opportunity, take that one shot that I got and said to myself, what are you going to do with this? So it was, it was, it was so much more uh, at that time that I was, you know, that I had to make that decision um, in which direction I wanted to take this newfound uh, fame, if you want to call it. All through that, they saw every step that I went through and and how I took that moment 
and just turned it and flipped it upside down and said, we're going to do something different here. This is not going to be about a guy sitting on a train who got caught knitting by a famous person and went viral. No, we're going to do more than that. And, you know, I, I, as much as I, I appreciated that, that moment in my life, um, I wanted to do more. I wanted to take that opportunity. I wanted to seize that, that moment and say to myself, Lewis, you got to do more with this. Now that you got the attention of so many, let's, let's take this to the next level. You know, so my family got to see that and they got to see, see that blossom and that helped shift their mind. That helped them see that, you know, wow, you're reaching so many different communities, not just, just the, the fiber arts industry, but you're expanding out and you're telling the story and through, you know, who you are and, and, and how passionate you are about what you do. Um, and people see that, especially the children. You know, and, and I think that's, that was my main target, was, was reaching out to the children, to the kids, and letting them know that, hey, you got somebody supporting you, regardless of what you're doing, regardless of what you love to do, um, whether people may oppose you or not, um, you have a whole bunch of people supporting you, and I wanted them to, to realize that. I wanted them to know that, you know, it's okay to, for boys to knit <laughs> or crochet, um, you know, just as well as it's okay for girls to play basketball, you know, and that's, that's, that's the message that I really wanted to put out there and, and, and really express, you know, because I had to go through that. I had to go through that and I didn't have someone to tell me that it was okay for me to knit as a boy, you know, and, 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 partake in that, you know what I mean? And then it wasn't until, you know, just a few years ago when I realized how amazing and wonderful this community is and how they embrace men. And, like, I was just living under a rock and didn't even know that there was this whole other world that existed. And it was so beautiful to, 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 to come into that and to, to see that, wow, like, I had no idea. I had no idea. I, no, I had no idea that there were, there were events and and communities uh, all throughout the country, throughout the world, that supported um, the fiber arts the way it did. You know, let alone men. I had no idea. You know, so it was it was refreshing. It was it was a, a sigh of relief when I started, you know, being introduced to other men in the industry and other designers, and it, it just it made me realize that I wasn't alone. After so many years, I did feel alone in this industry. You know, because I had this mind, this this thought in my head that um, yes, knitting was only for women or for or for older women or for grandmas and for my older aunties. I you know I I didn't know that um, knitting was was had come so far. I guess is what I want to say. Um, but it was it was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing to, to encounter. Well, and and. I love the fact that you found, quote unquote, your people. I mean, that, that's that's always a wonderful thing when that happens. It, it you know, it, life gets a whole lot lighter when you find people that you know you can identify with and you can feel comfortable with. And I, I do want to talk about your your advocacy because you, you have started to really turn this into advocacy in in, in many ways. Um, you know, the, the the first thing I'd like to talk about is your TEDx talk. Can you can you tell us a little bit about that talk? How did it happen and yeah. and what was it about? So um the TEDx people reached out to me um a little over a little over a year ago and 
I'll be honest with you. It was, it was, I thought it was a joke at first because I love TED Talks. I love, I listen to TED Talks all the time and, and I really enjoy them. Um, but like, I knew that that platform was just like a whole nother level um, to get on. And I, I would always see, you know, like these openings for, you know, they're looking for their call out to, to talk, you know, for, for speakers. And so they reached out to me. They had sent me an email um, and said that they were putting together a New York City uh, show, uh, TEDx Talk, and the theme was uh, Unconventional Journeys. And they had been following my story, which I didn't even know at the time, and they said that um, they thought I had an opportunity to, to really um, to talk about my story and, and, and to turn it into something else. I, I responded, of course, and I said I would love to. So I actually had to go through the whole process of filling out the application and submitting an idea. And um, that's when I came up with the idea of uh, making the most of your moment. And in my talk, I, I talk about um, how we all have a platform, whether, you know, you're an influencer, whether you're not, whether um, you craft, whether you don't craft, it doesn't matter. We all have something in this life that we're really good at, right? And in, in my speech, you know, I use my example as my knitting, my knitting and how I took, you know, my opportunity and how I just threw it out into the universe and I said, let's make this, let's make this something bigger. Let's, let's do more with this. And I talk about fears. I talk about, about shying away from, you know, from stereotypes. I talk about all that uh, in my TED Talk. Um, it was definitely one of the most interesting experiences I ever went through, um, so the, the speech itself was uh, a little over eight minutes, uh, a little under nine minutes, and I had to, you know, I had to write the entire speech. Now, Benjamin, the, I think the hardest part for me throughout the process was uh, taking what's, uh, what I call from my heart and putting it on a piece of paper. Um, when I speak, I, you know, and I, whether I'm doing a panel talk, whether I'm at a school talking to, talking at an assembly, um, a group of women I'm doing the talk, I speak freely. I, I don't write anything out. I, I just speak from my heart. So when I was told that I had to write this all out and then memorize eight minutes worth of a speech, I, I, that was probably the hardest thing I had to go through. And it wasn't so much the memorization. It was more about me being my authentic self in what I was writing. And I, and, and I love to write, and I, and I think I'm a, a pretty decent writer. Um, however, I was, I was challenged. I was, I was having difficulty really putting that on paper and, well, how do I want to say this and how do I want to really express myself? And I, I was putting too much thought into it. And, and, you know, I had a wonderful coach, um, that the TEDx folks gave me, um, and we would meet up twice a week, uh, for, for I had three months to put this together and for, for, two, for twice a week for those three months, um, he just guided me and said, Lewis, just, you know what, I can't tell you what to write. But what I can tell you is that whatever, whatever comes to, to your heart, you say you speak from the heart, um, write it down. No matter how silly it sounds or how stupid you may think it sounds, um, just write it on a piece of paper and then we'll, we'll take it from there. And so once I did and I, and I, and I stopped putting so much thought into it that, that that's not who I was. And um, once I let go of that, it just, the speech just came out the way it, should, it needed to. 
Um, but it was a great experience, um, and and I would do it all over again. Honestly, it was I learned a lot about who I am um, in the process of writing my speech and um, you know tapping into different areas um, that I had to teach myself, right? You know, and and just getting back to the stage because I hadn't been done any sort of acting in, in years. So be so writing my own speech and then memorizing that speech. Um, yes, it was challenging, but it brought me back to to the old days when when I when I was doing a little bit of acting. Um, and and it was great. It was a great experience, and um, I'm pleased with the way it turned out. You know, and I I, I think um, you know if if for those of you out there who haven't heard the speech yet, it is available on YouTube. Um, making the most of your moment. Um, uh, I urge you, and 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 I'll make that suggestion to go ahead and, and watch the video. Uh, it's eight minutes long, but I, I do talk about a lot of important things in there, and I really wanted to 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 hone in on that. And um, I think I accomplished that. I hope I hope so. <laughs> and we'll put the the link uh, for that YouTube video in the show notes. It'll be up within probably the next day, so you folks can head over to fiberhooligan.com and 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 check that out. You still there, sir? Yes, I think. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, you're. I w- just uh, real quickly, your your uh, your phone is crackling out a little bit. Um, any chance you could see if yeah, there's something me, else you could see, do? I just. Sure, sure. Give me one second. All right. How's that? Oh, that's much better. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. So uh, great. We talked about the TED Talk, and, and we talked about uh, we haven't talked about. You started doing some work within the community. Um, can you tell me how that got started? I mean, uh, you know, I know you work out in uh, you work at, at the hospital, uh, Mount Sinai, which is where I'm assuming you got uh, sick uh, recently. But yes. Can you talk about the yes. work work you've done there as well as in schools? Yes. So um, I've done. I've been working with. Uh, many different organizations uh, here throughout New York, um, even um, outside of New York. Uh, but uh, I started working with uh, cancer, uh, cancer units here at Mount Sinai Hospital. Um, we do a lot of outreach programs um, at the hospital. So in our main lobby, we, we have like these mini little information booths or we may have like a little festival or something going within the hospital. It could be Cancer Awareness Month. It could be, you know, uh, breast cancer. So many different things. So every week we had something different going on in the hospital. And so the the cancer unit decided to reach out to me because they wanted to do, like, a couple different things. And they said, we know you knit. We know you work here. And um, can you tell us a little bit more about your work? So I just started telling them, and I threw out the idea. I said, listen, I said, you know, knitting – um, and crochet is a wonderful uh, way of, of getting and coping through depression or through, you know, even helping you through illnesses. Um, so they loved the idea. And they said, yes, can you get some volunteers together? And I said, absolutely. So I put the call out. And um, we had about, I would say, a good 30 volunteers that day. And uh, thanks to Lion Brand, they supplied us with the yarn and the knitting needles to help uh, teach not only the patients, but also employees at the hospital how to knit and crochet. And we had a little bit of both where we did um, had some crochet artists come in and, 
and and they helped out with the crochet. So it was really it was really nice. Um, so that's that was one of the projects that I did work on with the hospital, and I do have some future projects coming along the way with Mount Sinai, um, to help with you know like I said with uh, therapy and in terms of knitting and and using knitting or the fiber arts I should say as as a way of of, of you know coping with different issues. Um, aside from that. I did start working with early on into in, into this. I started working with PS 145, which is a public school here in New York. Um, and they, the principal there, reached out to me and said, "I've heard your story. How do you feel about coming into the school and and teaching my kids how to knit?" And I thought it was a wonderful idea. And so I, once again, I, I had reached out to, uh, you know, we had a school of 300 kids, <laughs> and I love telling the story because. You know, I joke about it now, but at the time I was not joking about it because it was, it was, it was pretty serious. So we had 300 kids at the school, and I didn't think at the time that the principal wanted me to teach the entire school how to knit. So when she first reached out, she's like, "Oh, I would love to have you teach my students how to knit." Now I should have asked her at the time, "Well, how many students are we talking about?" Um, so like. I guess a month you know, after we started discussing this idea about going to the school and we finally set a date and um, she's like, great. So we have 300 students. And I said, whoa, what? 300 students? So I said, I need to get my volunteers together. Well, sure enough, we gathered about, I would say, a good 40 to 50 uh, instructors um, all throughout New York. And even outside of New York, we got some great volunteers to come in and we uh, we set up shop, as they call it, and we got to teach 300 kids that day how to knit, you know. And I talked I, I before we even started the the um, the knitting session, um, we did hold a, a, an assembly at the school, and I, I I spoke to the children about um, you know about breaking down those gender walls, right, and and just coming out and, and saying you know what boys knit, and and so when they see me up there, and they're like unit and so like it's about it's about for me it was about getting that connection with the kids um and i love telling everyone the story of how how i connect with the kids um so anytime i go into an elementary school the first thing i like to say is how many kids how many of you here like to make slime and now i don't know what it is about slime but these kids love making slime so i know that's the connection and you see all the hands going up and you see you hear them like oh me and it's like that's your connection, and that's where I start. And I find that connection with the kids, and I'm like, well, imagine you taking your love of making slime and making money out of it. What if you can make money? So now you have their attention even more. So I, I, that's when I talk about my story, and I, I bring in my story, and I say, well, that's what that's that was the case for me with my knitting. You know, so now you have their attention, and you know, I started showing the video of how you know it all started, and. It's just a wonderful, I love t- talking to these kids because, you know, if you can't get them in the first two minutes, you've lost them. You've <laughs> 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 lost them. And, and, and so I always tell people, you got to find that, you got to find that connection in that anchor right away because otherwise, that's it, you're gone, you've lost them. So, you know, I always, I always start off with that question, you know, I'll try to find a, a way of, what are these kids into nowadays? What, what are they really getting into, you know? And I, I do my research with kids just as much as I do my research with any organization that I go to uh, or anything like that. Um, and then um, working outside of New York, I had a wonderful opportunity 
uh, I was at, um, I went to a, a high school, an alternative high school in Hartford, Connecticut, where, so this school was like a last resort for troubled teens, um, mostly black and Hispanic students um, attend the school, and these are kids that, you know, that have been in trouble with, you know, you know, let it be through drugs or whatever the case is. Um, and so the principal had reached out to me and said, listen, you know, we have, a, we have a high school here. It's an alternative high school, and, you know, we have trouble teens, and um, I think your story would really, really, you know, help these kids, you know, and, and maybe you can come in. And so they had started what was interesting. They had started a, a fiber arts program, and there was a woman that, that, that started leading this, this group. It was like once a week, and um, these kids really enjoyed it. Guys and girls, it was like it was amazing to walk into the school and see an entire uh, program set up. So, you know, most of the work was already done. Like, I just came in and, you know, these kids knew about the fiber arts because, you know, this wonderful woman started teaching them. And I wish I could remember the name for her, so forgive me. Um, but I, I can't remember her name, but the school um, had invited me to, to, to come in and talk to the kids. And, you know, I brought some, we brought some yarn, um, and some knitting needles through Lion Brand and uh, Shira Blumenthal. Um, we went together to the school um, to talk to the kids. And we, we also spoke about Hat Not Hate, uh, the Hat Not Hate campaign. And Benjamin, it was the first time that um, I really felt like I you know, that connection was already there, you know, and I, it was so relatable because I remember seeing myself in that room. And I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't a bad kid or anything like that. And I, I, and I didn't mess around with drugs in any way like that when I was growing up, but um, I saw myself in that room that day. And I know what it's like to be brought up um, in a rough neighborhood. I know what it's like to, to not have, um, you know, many of the luxuries that a lot of these kids have nowadays, you know what I mean? And and, and how hard we had to to, to fight for that and, and our parents had to work hard for those things that a lot of these kids nowadays have, like laptops and, and iPads and expensive phones. But back then, I didn't have those luxuries. And, and I know that these kids, you know, they they were, you know, they did express to me, you know, their hardships and, you know, and I could relate to that. You know, and I could relate to that some, to some degree, um, and so that that connection was already established when I walked into that school, and you know it was it was when I left that school that day I was very emotional because, you know, I, I, I part of me didn't want to leave, part of me wanted to stay, part of me wanted to to really like talk to these kids, and you know, I, the message that I gave to them that day was, don't ever let anybody tell you that you can't. And that that was my message. It wasn't about it wasn't about you know oh you could you know no it was so much more than that it was it was more it wasn't about you know knitting it was more about you know understanding that you're not alone and and even when the world may tell you you can't or that you shouldn't um, you can and you should and and that was my message to them that day and and it was just like. You know, to to see to see them eye to eye, to to really tap into that, it meant a lot to me, and it was one of the my my favorite moments in these past couple of years. 
um, when it comes to, you know, me talking to the public or doing these talks and these speeches, um, that for me was probably the most, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, the, the most impactful form for me. And, and it was just, it was something that, that I'll never forget, you know, and it meant a lot to me that day. And, and I know that these kids listened, you know, and I let them know that, listen, you know, my story can happen to anybody. This is not just, you know, yeah, you know, a lot of people will say, you know, oh, you know, you were lucky, Lewis, and, you know, maybe luck had something to do with it. But at the end of the day, I took that opportunity and I had to, and I had to do something more with it. And that's what I was telling them. I said, you know what, when those opportunities arise and when those, those moments come in your life and you know you have the attention of so many, that's that's when you take it and you take it for something bigger, something bigger than yourself. And, um, and I wanted them to hear that message. I wanted them to understand that that you know they're not alone. That you know what happened to me can happen to them. You know, and 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 it's 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 attainable. It's attainable. You know, and I tell them as long as you have that passion, as long as you have that love for whatever it is that you do, that's 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 the key to it all. And you take that passion and you run with it. You know, and 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 they they listened that day, and and I like I said, I walked away very emotional, and I, and I came home that night, and I just sat back on my sofa and I reflected on that on the day, and I th- I think about these kids every single time, and and I do plan on going back to Hartford to the school and and getting in contact with this principal again, and and just revisiting, um, but it was uh, one of the highlights of these past couple of years. Well, I mean, it sounds fantastic, um, and and it's fantastic that you had that opportunity to uh, to work with those kids. I mean, they again, it's you know when you don't we've we've talked about diversity before. When you don't see yourself, you know, it's really hard. Um, you know that that's that's an important part of the process. Let, let's talk about you moving into um, diversity a little bit. I mean, I know that through your work with the schools and the hospitals, you were all of a sudden exposed to the LGBTQIA world and, you know, young people in that world, you know, kind of looked up to you and we've done some, what I would call mentoring and, uh, and some, some talking. Can you, can you talk about the work you're doing there? Yes. So um, when I opening live and became part of uh, the diversity advisory board, um, as one of the members, one of the eight members, um, I represent the LGBTQIA community. And um, that that in itself is a big task, you know. So um, I am the only male on the board. I am the the only um, gay Latino, on the, I should say, on the, on the board. And so I represent um, not only men, not only Latinos, but also the LGBTQIA community. And so... I know that the the weight was heavy. I know the weight was going to be heavy coming into this advisory board, and um, even to this day, it still is, Benjamin. You know, I I I always encourage all my community that I represent to reach out to me, to to, to come to me and say, Hey, Lewis, you know, we need your representation, and and I'm here, I'm available, and and I want everyone to know that, you know. Whether you're the, you know, whether you represent the Latino community, whether you're, you're a male, whether you're LGBTQIA, you know, I want them to know that I'm here for them. 
you know, and that I represent them in every way possible. Now, I started working, uh, we started working with the Hedrick Martin Institute, which is um, uh, LGBTQIA high school here in, in New York, uh, in Manhattan. And so when we started putting together programs um, and we started raising money, uh, such as the cow that we did for the Diversity Advisory Board um, back in January uh, for Vogue Knitting Live, um, we put together a pattern, a cow pattern. And so all the pro- proceeds, you know, we were coming up with different organizations, um, and I suggested the Hedrick Martin Institute. I said, now listen, I said, I've, 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 I've visited the school before, um, and this is right here in our own backyard. These kids, you know, they need our help. You know, and I, and I, I after I spoke, I had went and did a visit with the school, uh, I want to say a little about a year and a half ago. And I met with the principal, and she gave me a tour. And I tell you what, like, the story that she was telling me was uh, at home. A lot of these kids, you know, get kicked out of their homes, you know, because they're different, um, whether they're gay, lesbians, transgender. These kids were getting kicked out left and right. And um, so they would have no place to go. So sometimes these kids would actually have to stay at the school. You know, they have no place to go. They have nowhere to eat. So the school also provides meals for these kids, um, lunch, breakfast, uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, so there's always a need for money there. So I, so walking away from that, from that visit, I knew this in the back of my head. So when um, EKL decided to, to start raising money in various areas, I, I immediately was like, Hedrick Martin Institute, that's my vote. And so I gave them the rundown on the school and the children, and it was unanimous. It was unanimous uh, across uh, the eight members. We decided, yes, we're gonna we're gonna put our our money there. That's where our money should go. Um, and they were so 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 forth. You know, they were so accepting of that, and they were, you know, they 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 thanked us. We invited them to you know to our talks. Um, we gave them tickets to to the event um, for the students that wanted to attend. Um, and this year we plan on opening up a program again with uh, fiber arts at, at the Hedrick Martin Institute. Um, so you know, it, it, for me, it was it was it was important that that you know people know that yes, here in New York City, you know we have we have an organization that needs help. You know, and 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 people don't know about the Hedrick Martin Institute and who attends the Hedrick Martin Institute. You know, and 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 why they need our help so bad, you know, and after visiting the school and, and like I said, you know, listening in on to the different stories from the students, it just, it just, it just, it hit me. It hit me. And, and I said, I want to do more with, with these kids. You know what I mean? That they're, they're hurting. They're, you know, a lot of these kids, uh, you know, society's not accepting them. And, and, you know, we're dealing with this problem, you know, every day, you know, and, and certain parts of the, of the country, you know, like bigger cities, you know, there's there's more support. But what about the rural areas? What about those 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 states that don't have programs set up for for LGBTQIA? You know, that's that's where we need to look into. And and I always say that. And you know, it's it's sad. It's sad that 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 you know we're still you know we're yes we have progressed a little bit, um, but there's still so much work that needs to be done. There's so much work that needs to be done. And, and, you know, like, and I always say, like, if there's a way that I can, you know, and to anybody that's listening today, um, 
if if you are part of the LG, uh, LGBTQI community, and you know there's any way that I can help you, you know, voice, you know, put my voice to it, by all means reach out to me. Um, you can reach me through social media. You can email me at brooklynboynitz at gmail dot com. Um, you know, I get I get requests all the time, Benjamin, from like you know different organizations and and um, asking for me to to help them out or help promote something and you know, um, I'm always looking for that LGBTQI community to just reach out to me. You know, I want to do more with them. Um, I think it's important that, you know, not only myself, our entire community to, to help support them. Um, they need the help right now. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the one community that, that is suffering, just like many, many other communities are. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not trying to take the light out of other communities, um, uh, such as the BIPOC community, because I am part of that community also. Um, but this is the, the the community that's that hasn't been heard yet, that hasn't been seen. Um, they're not getting, you know, they're not getting the help that they need right now. Um, and so for me, it's it's important that that um, we all do a little bit more, you know, for them and and have have them, you know, have us help them as much as as you know they need it. You know, and I think it's important. Well, and you and I have discussed this in the past too. Um, that uh, that uh, the industry itself needs to go in many different places. I mean, let's talk about that for the let's let's go run back to the industry. You know, real quickly, you were you were put on the uh, the diversity advisory council um, for Soho Vote Knitting to address the problem. Let's let's talk about your perception of the problem. So my my thing is that with um, coming onto this right, coming onto this advisory board, um, it was a it was a huge learning curve for all of us. Um, we are not the experts. We are not. Um, we don't know it all. <laughs> we don't have the answers to everything. Um, but what we came with was experiences um, and stories, and that's what connected the eight of us. Um, was that we all represent a different part in this industry. You know, we have the educator, you know, we have the researcher, we have, you know, the designer, we have the shop owner, we have, you know, the indie dyer, we have from every aspect of the, of the industry was, is represented in our, in our, in our advisory board. Um, so coming on to this, um, I got an insight at, with all that was happening because we all had to put in, you know, whenever we have our meetings, we all, you know, have to put in, you know, well, what's going on out in the industry right now? Who's, you know, what's happening? Who's arguing? Who's, you know, what's the issue today? And so we have to discuss all this and we have to, to make, you know, make sense of it. Right. So um, I would hear, you know, from various um, members of the LGBTQIA community and, and voicing that. And so that's where I started, you know, saying, okay, well, we need, we need to do something. We need to do something, you know, whether it's a talk or something, and I'm still developing, you know, I'm trying to develop a program where um, we're voicing these issues more. Um, so anybody out there, that I could definitely use the help um, to, to creating and creating a platform uh, for this community uh, that we that that needs uh, that to get the attention. Um, you know, I wanted I wanted that. So anytime that there's a, you know, well, what's going on, Lewis? And, you know, and what do you think about this? And you know. And we deal with all kinds of issues, you know, I mean, like, let it be, you know, 
something that's going on in social media. And, and, and to be honest with you, Benjamin, that's, that's mostly where the information comes from is, is social media nowadays. Um, so, you know, what's being put out onto social media, we realized, okay, well, there's, there's something happening here where um, two things are happening. One is that people are not being educated enough. People are not doing their research enough um, or their homework. To me was my biggest argument, right, was that whenever we see something or hear something uh, based on what somebody else says, now the first thing we should all be doing is, is doing our own homework, you know, not just taking what one person said as, as, as the whole truth. You know, and I always tell people that. I'm like, you know, it's so important that you find your own truth. It's so important, you know, because it, it could be dangerous. It could be dangerous and it could be affecting somebody's life and you don't even know it. Um, so, you know, hearing the hurt and the pain that, that our, you know, all these many communities, I should say, within our industry we're going through, it, it weighs on you. It weighs on you. And I realized that um, for the LGBTQI community, um, you know, they're, they're, they're the underdog you know, in all of this, you know, they're the underdog and, and they weren't being represented, you know, especially, um, you know, transgender, the transgender community is, is like, nobody hears about this anymore, like at all. And, and, it, and it boggles my mind because I'm saying like, we, you know, where's the representation in that, right? Where's the representation in that? And, um, you know, we do hear about, you know, gays and lesbians within the industry, but we don't hear so much about the transgender community. And that, that kind of disturbs me a little bit because, you know, they're, they're suffering, you know, and they're going through a lot right now, you know, and I, that's, that's where our support really needs to go to, you know, and we do have fiber artists um, that are transgender, you know, we can't forget about them, you know? So for me, you know, it's about how can, I help represent them better, right? Because it's important. I'm part of this community, you know. I may not, you know, identify myself as transgender, but for me, I am part of that community. They are my brothers and sisters, so how do I represent them better, you know? And, and so, again, you know, like I said, coming into, into this advisory board, uh, it, was, it, was, it was a learning curve on so many different levels. You know, and, you know, what, and I had to, I had to take steps back at times and say to myself, okay, although I don't know so much about this, I need to learn a little bit more about, about this part of the community or that part of the community, you know, within our own industry. You know, we have a lot of, you know, different, obviously different industries that are going through these similar issues. Um, but my focus is here within the, within the fiber arts. You know, this is this is where who I am. This is what I represent. You know, so that's my focus, right? And you know, again, it's about you know accepting that you're not going to have all the answers. And I knew that coming into this, I knew that I wasn't gonna. I, I, I'm not the expert. I'm not going to have all the answers. You know, I needed people to understand that I am here to help you, and I'm here to listen to you. That if there are suggestions, if there are issues that you're going through, come to me. Tell me about that so that I can bring it to the advisory board so that I can say, listen, this is, this is what's going on. These are, this is how people are feeling right now. You know, this is 
how we can, you know, get, get them to where they need to be, you know, and I think that's important. I think it's important that, um, you know, we're all represented equally, you know, and, and it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And, and, and I wish that I could say that we can, you know, wave a, a magic wand and, and, and boof, we're all, it's all just one, but we, it's not. That's the reality. It's not. We're not there yet. We're not there yet. And we're all looked at differently and we're all being judged, you know, based on who we are, what we look like, how we speak, how we walk, you know, how we live our lives what goes behind closed doors, we're still judging each other, each and every one of us. And that has to stop. And, we, you know, I always tell people, like, well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Tell me, who are you as an artist? You know, although, you know, your sexual identity represents a part of you, it doesn't make you as a whole. It doesn't represent you as a whole. There's so many parts to us that we all have to understand that, that make us who we are. And for me, that's, that's, where I want to get to. Tell me about you. I want to sit down with you. I want to talk to you. I want to know more about you. What are your likes and your dislikes? What do you believe in? What don't you believe in? And that's that's the essence of, of getting to know people and getting to, to the root of who we are. So for me, um, I want to get us there. I want to get us there. I want us to, to be all at that, that same page that, you know, although, yes, we're different, um, we are one, you know, at the end of the day. Well, we all make make up this industry, you know, and that's what I love so much about the fiber arts industry is that there's so many so many arms and legs to this that, that you know, I, I to this day, you know, I, I think about, you know, how unique we all are, you know, and, and even even for, you know, those that are disabled, right, our, our disabled brothers and sisters or those that, that have mental issues or, you know, that suffer from that um, mental Ill- illness, we, we, these are areas that we still have to discuss, right? Yeah. And, and the industry is, is working towards, you know, helping these different areas, right, uh, and, and representing these, these different groups of people. And I'd love to see that, you know, when events are putting together a quiet room for those folks, you know, to, to, to unwind because, you know, being being in a big you know setting with so many people at an event can can be overwhelming for many. So I love seeing how you know these suggestions are coming about and being put in place. So we are seeing these things happening throughout big industries such as Stitches and and VKL, um, creating bigger aisles for wheelchair access. Right, this is important and and you know so so. There's so many areas that we try to address, and, and there's just again, there's so much work, more work that needs to be done, um, and and the experience of being on this advisory board made me realize that that I'm still learning, I'm still learning, and I'm still knowing more about the issues that are that are coming about in our industry, and it's not about you know we're not gonna like I said wave a magic wand and it's all gonna be gone, but we are working. To, to better these areas. And we are trying to to get to a place where we can help one another. And that's that's what it's really about. Yeah, I remember having the conversation with you last year about doing the work and how important it was to do the work. And if you look at it, the work is never over. And uh, I really liked what you said then. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, no, it's true. That's the thing, like, you know, has only begun. Like, we're, you know, ever since 
you know, over a year ago, the, the industry was faced with, you know, diversity and inclusion as an issue. Um, it was always there. No. It was no, always there, of course. It was just it, was it just there. reached critical mass. Now, yeah, that, that we exactly. And so you know, we we all have our part, right? And 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 for all of us, whether you're BIPOC or not, we all we all are learning so many different things through the experience, through these experiences and these stories. You know, even for myself, you know, I'm learning so much and I'm listening. And one of the things I always tell people is that. Not, you don't always have to speak, right? You don't always have to put, as they say, your two cents in. Um, sometimes your job is just to sit back and listen. And a lot of us tend to forget that. It's so important nowadays to just sit back and listen to when someone speaks. If someone is hurting and they're expressing themselves and they're telling their story, your job is to respect that person and just to listen to them. And just take in whatever they say. And that's what I say. Like, you know, for me, it's, it's you know, it's that simple. You know, sometimes doing the, the work means just listening. And learning and taking in that information. And, and you know, it, it, it's, it's as simple as it sounds. So many of us find it hard to do, you know. But we have to get back to, to these little things and, and remember that it's not always about us. It's not always about us. You know, when, it's, when someone is truly pouring out their heart and they say, this affected me or this person hurt me, we have to listen to that. You know, we have to honor that. You know, and, 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 and it's, it, you know, I always, I always go back to, to what my mom always tells me. You know, she's like, you know, honey, sometimes... You know, she's like, it's, you just got to sit back and just take it all in. Just take it all in. You know, and, and there's always a lesson to be learned, you know, in all of this. Um, so, you know, my, my advice is always, and I always tell people, just just sit back and listen. Listen to when someone is, is, is really putting it out there, just give them that respect. Let them hang on. Let, let them get on that platform and let them speak. You know, for me, that's, 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 that's it. That's it. You know. I think it's such good advice. I, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate you talking uh, about this. You've got a lot of things going on, and and uh, you're you're very eloquent and uh, about Thank the things you. you care about. And I and I love hearing the passion in your voice as well. Um, it's. Uh, it's been inspiring to talk to you on, on many occasions. I do want to make sure we get to a few of those things real quickly here. Um, you, uh, you've got some programs going on. You've got a few endeavors going on, and I wanted to make sure our, our listeners heard about them. Can we start while we yes. get along? Yeah, so my knit-along, I'm doing – it's my first knit-along. It's the Masalo Shawl knit-along. Uh, I'm super excited because this, this is my first uh, – and I'm laughing because it's my first knit-along, so um, I, I put it out there, and I'm putting it in the video. I'm creating the video for next Saturday. It starts April 25th. Uh, the first video will be on YouTube. Um, and uh, I apologize ahead of time. This is my first time doing anything like this. So there are going to be bloopers al- along the way. So um, it'll, it'll, be, it'll be a hodgepodge of different things. Um, what I, I'll be releasing the first video, like I said, on April 25th. Um, and then uh, about two days later, I'm going to go ahead and 
do an Instagram live session, probably around 7, 7.30. I will put it on my social media for everyone to know. But um, that's going to be more like a Q&A session, uh, just kind of like our virtual session where we get to talk and talk about the shawl and anybody that has any issues or questions about, you know, the first part of the, of the shawl, then I'm going to go ahead and answer those questions. Um, and then, um, so, yes, yeah, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and the pattern has been selling pretty quickly. So anybody's interested, it's the Masalo shawl. It's available on Ravelry. Uh, Masalo spelled M as in Mary, A-double-S as in Sam, A-double-L-O. Um, you can find that on Ravelry. Um, it starts again on the 25th. Um, I know that Jimmy Bean Wool is selling kits. Um, they do have kits available if anybody's interested in purchasing um, a kit. Um, and they've been so kind enough to go ahead and, and help promote the, the knit along. And hopefully it's, good, it's a success. I think it's going to be great. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that. Well, that's fantastic. So this is your very first knit along. Yes, sir. It's my first knit along. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that, it won't be a disaster. Yes, yes. And you got another collaboration that you can you talk about that? Yes. So I am for the month of September. I am working with Lady Di Yarns, um, and we are putting together. Uh, it's called a club. Um, it's it's a kit that everybody will be receiving uh, for Latinx month, which is in September. Um, I'm really excited about that. Uh, the club is called Raices, which means um, uh, oh gosh, I'm, throwing, I'm drawing a blank. Um, so Raices is, is, is roots in Spanish, in English. Um, so it's called roots, and it's we're just going to be expressing um, our Latin culture uh, within um, the month of September through this club. And so I'll be designing a pattern. There'll be yarn uh, specific to uh, this club along with some stickers, maybe a pen in there also. Um, so anyone interested in, um, in purchasing the club uh, for the month of September, uh, the kit will be available on LadyDyeYarn.com. She's uh, selling uh, the kits that's available now. Um, so I'm really excited about that, um, to be part of this collaboration um, with Lady Dye Yarns and the others involved. Um, it's going to be great. It's great. So I'm, I'm still in design mode trying to figure out uh, what to design with, but it's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And uh, did I see a note about uh, Nitrino? Yes. And Nitrino. So um, Nitrino is going to be a new app that's coming out um, in a few months. And uh, I will be one of the featured designers for Nitrino. Now Nitrino is going to be an app where you can go on and uh, you purchase uh, the subscription and you'll have access to um different um uh, i don't know all the details just yet because still they're still developing the app but um my i have a design coming up which i'm i'm working i'm currently working on um where it'll be featured on the website i mean on the on the app and uh it's going to be an interactive app which is really cool it's something a little bit different um where there'll be charts available and you get to as you're working through your pattern um you get to like cross off certain rows and things like that um, again, I don't know all the details to it yet to the actual app, but uh, that's coming up, and I'm really excited about that. Um, the the women at, at Natrina have been awesome, and and uh, I just did a a virtual uh, class with them about a month ago, 
and that was pretty cool. I did a, a, a design hack class with them, and it was we had like about 50 people. Uh, it was really cool. So they've been working hard at, at, at creating content, and uh, with this new app coming along, I think it's going to be great. We got we got a pretty decent lineup coming up. You know, I did some research um, on Neutrino uh, as well, and it, it looks, you know, it's it's not, and I'm not trying to say there's anything wrong. It's not a PDF reader. It's it's a lot more complicated than that. These these it sounds to me like they are actually marking up every pattern so that you know repeats are showing and you know it it sounds very very sophisticated anyway so i'm it's, kind of yeah looking it, forward does, to it, it does it does and i i, I yeah. caught a glimpse actually at stitches west um when i met the ladies of Nintrino and um it looked really interesting so i can't wait to see how how uh how what the end result looks like and i think i think we're all going to be in for a big surprise uh, including myself because again i don't know all the details to it and you know, I saw a glimpse of it, and from what I saw, I was like, whoa, this is different. I like this. So I, I think a lot of you knitters and crocheters out there um, are going to really enjoy uh, Neutrino. I, I think there's crochet. I'm not sure, so I don't mark my words on that, because I did throw the word crochet out there. But um, I think it's going to be wonderful, um, and I'm really looking forward to that. Now, besides this, uh, I understand <laughs> that you're you're going to be, uh, you know, on on a television show. Yeah, so I'm, re- I'm really excited about that. I've been talking about it uh, the past month or so. Um, so I was, uh, I got, uh, well, uh, the folks over at Disney Plus, uh, which is the uh, the new uh, streaming, uh, gosh, application um, that's available now for streaming videos and movies and all that through uh, Disney Plus, uh, they reached out to me and they have been creating new content uh, for their channel. And one of the things that they, they are doing is uh, creating children's game shows. So they reached out to me and they are putting together a new show, game show called, uh, oh gosh, The Big Fit. It's called The Big Fit. So they had reached out to me months ago and um, I, all I can tell you is this, I will be featured on, a, on an episode and it does involve knitting. So the big fit is, is about uh, there are, three, well, actually two to three actors, and the children have to decide who the real expert is and who's not. So they get to ask questions, and they have to determine who's the real person and who's not the real person. So uh, I think you guys are going to be in for a treat. Um, I'm excited because it's, it's, it was fun. You know, we, I filmed it months ago, and the episode, and it was, it was definitely an experience for me and I think we're all going to be in for a big surprise. It's going to be fun. Um, so that should be coming on? out soon. Well, it's going to be okay. on Disney Plus. I'm going to be, I'm going to be letting everyone know uh, the release date. Um, they, I started noticing that they started putting out the game shows, which is a new category uh, for Disney Plus. Um, so you'll, if, if you guys are subscribed to Disney Plus, you'll notice that the, you know, they're, they're putting in more and more content every month or so, every week. Um, so I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. The, the folks haven't gotten back to me, but it's all recorded. I think right now they Disney Plus has about 30 episodes that they bought for, for this game show, and um, that should be streaming soon. So as soon as as soon as I get the word, I will let everybody know. Um, I'm not sure what episode I'll be in, but um, I'm in there. So it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. I'm super excited about it. Uh, definitely was a, a a big moment for me, and 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 filming was was interesting. <laughs> But it was nice. It was nice. I can't wait to see it. So, 
you know, we're winding out here. We got a couple more questions. I, I think one of the things that you know we talked about really quickly early on, but I really would like to talk about it some more is you know the fact that you were sick and uh, and uh, you know not to put too fine a point on it, you were scared. Um, can, can you? I mean, I think sometimes that people need to hear personal stories of exactly what this is going through, so they it reinforces the smart things like so you know. Uh, social distancing and self-quarantining. Um, can you talk about what what you went through? Absolutely. So a um, little less than a month ago. So uh, the, I work at I work at Mount Sinai Hospital, and during the beginning of the pandemic, um, you know, we we are essential workers. Whether we work in administration or not, everybody has to report to work. Um, you know, so going into this, you know, I I took every precaution possible you know I had to you know I I live in Brooklyn and for me to commute to work I got to take the trains into the city and it takes me about an hour and 15 minutes uh, door to door from Brooklyn to Manhattan and so getting on the train um, to commute that in itself was was scary you know but um, I I ended up um, contracting the virus uh, about a week in about a week or two into uh, quarantine when people started getting when we first went into quarantine here in New York um and you know I, I for me it started with you know the first symptom I had believe it or not was lower back pain and I never get back pains like the way I was getting back pain and I was like this is different what's going on and then the next day I woke up with like a sore throat and then the day after that was when the fever hit um long story short I got really really sick like day four into it I had every single symptom that was coming, even the shortness of the breath, and that that's what scared me the most. What was interesting with this with this virus was that um, I'd be fine all day long. Throughout the day, I was you know no fever, no chills, no body aches, you know, and I was I was fine. And then it was at night is when everything just came at once. And so you know I talked about it. I went uh, live with Gigi on. on on Instagram and her and I went live and we talked about it. And I, I talked about how I was scared at, you know, one night, one, when the sunset and, and anywhere between eight, and nine o'clock was when these, these symptoms would come. I, I got scared because, you know, I didn't know what to expect. You know, there were two nights in particular that I was really afraid for my life. You know, the breathing was really bad. And I, I tried to avoid going to the hospital because I knew that the moment that I would go to the hospital, that was it. I would probably be put on a ventilator and stuck in a bed the entire time. Now, in my mind, I told myself, "No, Louis, you got to get up. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta do this. You gotta get yourself off the sofa." You know, and I was sleeping on the sofa throughout the entire three weeks that I was sick, or two and a half weeks I was sick, and um, you know, more because of my breathing. Um, but I, I, I pushed through and I said to myself, you know what, you're going to get up, you're going to make your soup, you're going to make your hot teas. And, you know, I ended up, you know, getting, being prescribed the right medications. I got, you know, I was on two antibiotics. I was on two different inhalers for the breathing, um, which helped me, you know, but I think a lot of it had to do with my willpower, you know, and I, and I want to talk about that for a second, but to anybody out there that, you know, is afraid of contracting this or is who's going through this right now, um, your willpower is everything. You know, 
yeah, take your medicines and do everything that these doctors are, are telling us to do and, and the whole social distancing, doing all of that. Um, but if you do fall victim to this virus like I did, you know, I, I, I have to say this, but your willpower is everything. You know, and, and getting up and forcing yourself to say, all right, I'm going to walk around. I don't care if I walk around like an old person and who's 90 years old and walking slow. Um, you got to get up. You got to move around. You know, that's important. Now, is keeping I, your, I think, your body alive. I think Lewis... I, I think Lewis would also say that, hey, look, if you're if you're dizzy and you're weak, you know, don't walk alone around alone. Make sure that there's somebody else there with you. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And, and for me, it was different because, you know, I live alone. Um, and you know, although I had friends that wanted to come and help me, and I told them, no, you stay home. I don't want to get you sick. You know, so I I had to do this on my own. But you know, yes, you want to be careful. You want to take precaution. Also, like, you know, but for me, you know you know, being alone, you know, a lot of people were messaging me throughout the time and I want to thank everybody, by the way, for, for sending me prayers and, and the love and, and all those wonderful messages, you know, that really got me through this time also. And, and, you know, I, I want to just take this moment just to thank everybody for that. Um, but, you know, living alone and going through this alone actually really helped me out. Like I was, I had no choice but to do this. You know, I have a lot of people that message me. It's like, oh my gosh, Lewis, you're by yourself. And I'm so sorry you have to go through this alone. And, and I'm like, no, 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 don't be sorry. Like, yes, it, 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 you know, there were moments that, you know, I was scared and, you know, I did feel alone. Yes. But um, being alone and having no other option but to get up, and do simple things as go to the bathroom or shower or, you know, make your soup, make your hot tea. That I needed that. I needed that. And and that's what really got me through this was was yes, the prayers and all that and um but also my willpower and, 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 and to be able to to get up and force myself, you know, to do the things that I needed to do to get better. You know, and, and you know, I was my own nurse. <laughs> you know, I was my own nurse. But um, you know, I did have I did have help. I do have to say my friends I had some friends um bring groceries to my door and you know, and, and so many wonderful folks who sent me gift cards, uh, for seamless and Domino's pizza and you know, you know, I, I wanna thank everybody for that. It was really sweet and, and those gestures mean a lot to me. Um, but, you know, I did have help outside help I should say and you know, it's it's it was a difficult time. Um, it was a very scary time for me, and 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 you know, my advice, like I said, um, is is that if you are going through this, and or you know, or you come in contact with this virus, God forbid, later down the road, just know that you're not alone, and 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 willpower is everything, you know. And I mean, listen to your body, you know, and that's what I was saying in my message earlier. Was, Listen to your body. If your body's telling you you can't, then you can't. You know, you can't. You know, and, and I I listened to my body a lot, and I, I did what I had to do and took a lot of suggestions, took the long, hot showers for the scene and, you know, all that. So, you know, anybody that has any questions or, you know, you want to reach out to me or more about that experience, I'm, I'm, I'm open to talk about that with you and, you know, through social media. You can email me. Um, any questions you have regarding, you know, the recovery of it. Um, it was definitely difficult, but 
um, I will say that that you know it's it's not impossible to get through. Well, thank you for for sharing that because I I do appreciate that. Okay, uh, last um, two two things. Um, do you have anyone out there that you want to thank in particular or make a shout out to? I want to thank everyone. <laughs> that's that's what we're gonna do. I want to thank everyone just for being who you are and just for for loving the way you do during this time, during this quarantine time. Um, you know, I, I think Benjamin, what I, what I'm seeing now is just a community really coming together. And I want to thank everyone for doing that, for just coming together as one. And I'm starting to see so many folks working with each other. Um, I'm seeing a lot of collaborations happening. Um, and it, it, it makes me smile. It makes me hopeful that, that, we're all headed in the right direction, and 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 I, and I love it. I love I, I love what's blossoming through through these dark times that we're living. Um, there is a light. There is a light that I'm I'm seeing and and, I, and I'm witnessing, and that's you know that's through everybody working with each other. So you know a big shout out to all of you out there that are doing doing what you have to do to get through this quarantine, to getting through social distancing. I know it's not easy. I know it's Many of you are getting cabin fever, and I'm bored. And you know, I had friends, you know, message me saying, oh, "I'm arguing with my spouse or my loved one, and it's annoying." And I'm like, "But all I can tell you is that take it easy on each other, and and just remember that that we're all in this together. Um, please don't kill each other. Please don't don't hurt each other. Um, but I, I, it's a big special shout out to you all, and I, and I think." Um, you guys are all doing what you need to do and you're doing your job and we're all going to get through this. So thank you. Well, that's, I mean, I think that's probably a place to just leave off for the day. I, I want to, you know, really thank you for being so generous with your time. Uh, of course, uh, listeners, we couldn't do this on our normal time um, uh tomorrow, Monday at 11 o'clock because uh, Lewis has work. Um, even though he's sick, he's, yes. he needs to get back to work and, and help people. And uh, so I really appreciate uh, you taking part of your Sunday, which is, you know, you work a lot. Sir, and I, I know that uh, your time is very valuable. Um, it, I, I, uh, was there anything else you wanted to say before we, we signed off for the day? No, I just want to, I want to thank, take this opportunity to thank you, Benjamin, for, um, for reopening Fiber Hooligan. I think this is awesome, and uh, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of, of your second episode, and, and I, this is an awesome moment for me. So thank you for that. And, um, again, to all of you out there, thank you for tuning in and for listening in. And, again, if there's anybody out there that, that can suggest anything or wants us to make any suggestions, I'm, I'm open to, to anybody and, and to everyone. Um, I'm here to help you. Uh, if there's any way I can help you, I'm, I'm I'm available, and I just wanted to let everyone know that. That's fantastic. I, I really appreciate it, uh, Lewis. So I will uh, say goodbye to you, sir, and we will talk another time. Thank you so much, Benjamin. Goodbye. Have a good one, everyone. Bye. That was Lewis Boria, a.k.a. Brooklyn Boy Nitz, one of the kindest people I know. During the show, we talked about a lot of things, including some websites and some other stuff that he's got going on. And so what we're going to do uh, as a convenience is put that information, those links, and some show notes on FiberHooligan.com. And that will probably happen in the next day or so. I'd like to take a little bit of my Sunday off before I do too much. Okay. On uh, Monday, uh, the 27th, uh, not 
not tomorrow, but the following Monday, my guest will be Cecilia Nelson Hurt. Cecilia's pronouns are she and her. Uh, as a diversity and inclusion practitioner, Cecilia Nelson Hurt has over 15 years of diversity, uh, equality, and inclusion experience. Currently, Cecilia serves as the Assistant Vice President of Diversity and Inclusion at L'Oreal USA, where she is responsible for shaping diversity efforts through innovation initiatives and that underscore the company's commitment to creating an equal opportunity workplace. In addition to leading the company's uh, affinity groups for the LGBTQIA and women of color employees. Cecilia is also responsible for the curriculum development and facilitation of all L'Oreal USA's diversion and inclusion trainings, having trained over 15,000 employees to date. Her grandmother, her maternal grandmother, first introduced Cecilia to the fiber arts. She has learned to crochet when she was very young. Cecilia later taught herself how to knit and has been an avid knitter for over 20 years. At the intersection of passion and purpose, Cecilia combines her love for knitting and advancing diversity, inclusion, equality, and belonging with a goal to affect and create a more inclusive fiber community. A self-proclaimed citizen of the world, Cecilia loves to travel. She makes sure to visit a yarn shop wherever she goes. To date, Cecilia has visited over 130 local yarn shops in the United States and abroad. She chronicles her travels on her CC Knits the World YouTube channel. <laughs> I have yet to check that one out. Uh, Cecilia is uh, married to an adventurous and supportive yarn husband, Jerome, uh, and is the mother, and she is the mother of an incredible daughter, Atreus, and a fabulous four-legged daughter, Dallas Jade. Um, I'm so pleased that this dynamic lady is available to come on the show. Um, please put that on your calendars. You won't want to miss it. Uh, I also want to make sure that you know that I'm eager to hear from you. You can email me questions, recommendations, critiques, and feedback at fiberhooligan at gmail.com. And that includes suggestions for guests or cool things you'd like me to highlight in the show. I don't promise to respond to every email or message, but I do promise to do my best to read them all. If you ask a really great question or have an inspired idea, I may even read your email on the podcast. I'd like to thank um, Louis Boria for being on the show today and sharing his thoughts and his passions. I'd like to thank the XRX and Stitches crew for encouraging me to start this podcast up again. I'd like to thank my partner and family, Elaine Raleigh, for her support. I'd like to thank Libby Butler-Gluck for all of her encouragement and help in getting this podcast restarted. I'd especially like to thank my dear wife, Krista, for always believing me. And, of course, I'd like to thank all of you for listening. Well, that's our show, Fiber Hooligans. As we slide out of here today, I'd like to wish you all a glorious week. Remember, the only thing better than being creative is being kind to each other. The good news, we can do both. Thank you for spending this time with us. We'll see you next week on another edition of Fiber Hooligans.